Poet Revolt Cosmetics helps you shine in all your moments with a variety of clean, cruelty-free, and non-sticky lip glazes. This makeup artist's created and approved brand carefully curates clean ingredients including peppermint to help you feel good and do good as a portion of proceeds goes to selected mentorship programs that give youth and young adults the confidence and tools to be successful. Holt Revolt offers long-lasting shine and moisture, and this is the part I'm excited about, Taylor. Tell me about it. <laughs> Holt Revolt is also offering our listeners a 10% discount off your next purchase using code CIRCLE when you check out. Get glazed today at HoltRevolt.com. That's H-A-U-T-E-R-E-V-O-L-T.com. Awesome. Go check it out, y'all. Check it out. Say hey, y'all. It's Amber Sheree. It's Hayley. And it's the Inner Circle Podcast. Circle Podcast. Hey, y'all. This is Amber Sheree. And Taylor Breeze here. And this is the Inner Circle Podcast. How are you? I am doing all right. How are you doing? I am doing okay. I have no complaints. There's nothing that I can say bad or good. So we can start off well. And yeah, I'm just glad that it's warm weather. And glad. Huh? I, I hate to say it, but I feel like it's a little bit too warm. At least today it was 91 and I was very like hot. I couldn't just sit outside and enjoy it like I could yesterday when it was 70 degrees. <laughs> well, it wasn't 70. It was like 80 or something like that. But it was like perfect. There was a breeze, a little chill in the air, like so you don't sweat. And today I felt like I was pretty sweaty. So did you um, walk to work this week? I didn't. Um, yeah, I had some things to do before work. And so I decided not to walk because I had errands to run. So and also, too, for safety reasons, because you worked pretty late this week. So it might be you would have to pay the extra money to go get a Lyft or Uber home. And sometimes mm-hmm. that's not even worth it, especially if you can park for free exactly exactly that's kind of uh the nice part of living really close and I think it's a blessing and a curse for me living really close to where I work um like eight minutes drive Mm -hmm. is like okay it's an eight minute drive so like I'll mess around and like cook breakfast or just take my time getting ready and then all of a sudden I'm about to be like later that uh, we have no set like get here at this time but we have time frames that I try to want to get there and it's like 30 minutes to walk or 88 minutes to drive. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's always in my head, like just eight minutes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Trust me. I, I get it. Cause with gas being $5 a gallon and I have to drive almost an hour to work. If I only had to drive eight minutes, I would be taking my time too, but with an hour and the amount of gas, I'm just like, 
contemplating like do i want to go to work today or do i want to work today? <laughs> <laughs> i got gas by your house and it was 409 so more, well you also take unleaded i take premium oh yeah that's yeah true. i pulled up to the get-go and it said 504 and i said what the bleep bleep like, that was your problem going to the get-go when you know you have a kroger's card and they have premium there true but chase has this thing this week where or this month where if you use a get-go gas station they give you a percentage cash back and sometimes it's higher than the savings that you'll get from you know your kroger plus card so that's fair yeah but i don't know i i didn't do the math before i pulled up because i just thought oh you know I'll get my, you know, 10, 15% cash back or whatever. I think I might be overshooting it. It probably wasn't that high, but I didn't do my math and see, you know, what the Kroger's price is. I need to go ahead and start downloading the Gas Buddy app again so I can go through and be like, listen, what are we doing here? Get the cheapest one in a 30 mile radius. <laughs> Driving an hour to go get gas, which I actually do know some people do not necessarily like in their regular like daily cars, but like for commercial vehicles, mm-hmm. they will drive like, you know, a hundred and something odd miles to get like a bunch of gas um, yeah. for cheap. So good for them. I know when I used to live in Ohio and that was when gas was damn near almost this high, maybe not as high, but this was back in 2012. Mm -hmm. It was, it was really high. And I remember I always like tried to time and I'm like, okay, should I get gas? Like when I'm leaving my house or should I get gas? Like right when I get to work, because I worked in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. in a plant. And most of the time the gas was like dirt cheap. Mm -hmm. Um, but like sometimes you just kind of have to like gauge it and then I started carpooling and the woman that carpooled with me she had a was it Sam's Club it was either Sam's Club or Costco Mm -hmm. so they always had lower gas yeah and I was like oh so it's 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 sad when we have to figure out what gas station we're gonna go to and what deal we can get when we're living in 2022 and last year gas was like two dollars a gallon that's just I remember I remember when I moved to Indiana and it was like so low I guess that was two years ago not last year but I think it was like two dollars like 189 or something like that yeah Yeah. 176 I remember seeing yeah now gas makes you the gas prices make you not even want to consider joyriding or do anything like <laughs> makes you want to stay at home you're like listen COVID's not keeping me home these gas prices are keeping me home and it's not even just the gas prices either mm-hmm. it's the cost of I saw I wanted watermelon um and it was like eight dollars at Joel Osco. it was well $8. that's the first problem you went to Joel Osco. I know, but that's where I do my weekly shopping. And I hate it. The one that by my house is ghetto, but I still go. <laughs> it, it's, it's a little ghetto. I won't even lie. But <laughs> it's to the point where somebody's like, where the blah, blah, blah at? And then the grocery uh, clerk is like, it's over there. And it's like, oh, God. Oh, God. Like, you got to go to your Aldi's for your watermelon. 
yeah but I just I I remember like being in Illinois like I think it probably was 2010 or something I think there was a family reunion going down for the Smith side and you mean uh, the cob because there wouldn't be oh wait no it was it was like we were at Aji's house I remember we were looking oh this was in Champaign or yeah it It might have been for her wedding it I did not go to her wedding is in the winter time never mind and it was summer and it wasn't like we were doing the family reunion at Aji's it was like after the family reunion or something or maybe it was on an odd year it doesn't matter I just remember we had a watermelon there that was probably like the best watermelon I had ever had. And so I'm um, waiting for, I don't know if Illinois just has something different in the water or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, but I'm waiting for that to be be my case. Because I, I had some watermelons last year in Indiana and they weren't that great. <laughs> California's watermelons really suck. I will be completely honest. I don't really like most of the watermelons I've ever had in California. Um, it probably depends on where you get them, but mm-hmm. most of them I've had have never compared to that watermelon that I'm that I'm chasing, that high that I'm chasing. <laughs> <laughs> so did you end up buying the $8 watermelon? Oh, girl, no. I got okay. some grapes. <laughs> I got some grapes and uh, apples. And was like, that will be my fruit for the week. And um, that will be okay. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> I went into Kroger's and Cuties was like $7 a bag. And I was like, what? I junior you might have to eat something else (laughs) Mm -hmm. as a snack I feel like all the prices are going up oh I just think of like I'm gonna have to start eating at home but then like even when you go out and buy groceries sometimes when you make the meal it's almost almost the same or more expensive than if you would have just gone to pick up your food at a restaurant you know depending on where you depending on where you're going obviously or what you're cooking sorry um, but it's just like, ugh. anyways, we can go on and on and on about macro and microeconomic supply, demand, inflation, and substitution of goods <laughs> when yeah. price is high. I took a accelerated economics in high school because mm-hmm. I took AP government. So if you take government, um, AP government, it's supposed to be like a full year long or something like that but you have to have economics as part of your senior curriculum Mm -hmm. so they do like an accelerated like half a semester if that Mm -hmm. so when you talked about like supply and demand I just thought of those curves and all Mm -hmm. the different like scenarios of curves that you can make and stuff like that and I recession recession we're about to go into a recession soon so save your money while you can a little bit I'm of trying, money. but with these prices, how Girl. am I supposed to save? <laughs> I mean, you know, save enough, but like, yeah, yeah, save a lot to like offset a recession, you know, like yeah. that's just not, you know, it's a trap. It is a trap, <laughs> and also, too, it makes you want to stay home. Like, it's just like, but then if you stay home, you're using all your energy. We can go on and on and on, like, it's really no way to get out of it. It's just yeah. kind of like. Do I eat less? Do I eat inside? Do I eat outside? Do I turn all my lights off? You know, like 
do I start unplugging shit? You know, like it's just Live like life and you'll figure it out. That's yeah. how I go. <laughs> it's just yeah and that's how I say just live your life and you'll figure it out things may get messed up in the process of figuring it out but you'll figure it out yeah Yeah. and I mean at the end of the day like money comes and goes so Mm -hmm. you know just just be smart or I'm reading get good with your money by so um just be mindful but anyways we can go on and on so taylor let's keep this show on the road so what is the word of the week the word of the week is a sconce and a sconce sconce, yeah how you spell that so uh i'll tell you how to spell it and why i kind of laugh so how you spell it it's kind of like a s k a n c n-c-e it kind of looks like askance is kind of what it looks like and so I saw this word in an email and um I was really confused because I thought it was a typo Uh, (laughs) (laughs) and I was like I don't know what they meant but I don't think they meant this because I don't think that's a word or I think I said definitively that is not a word. And then <laughs> I uh, said, but then my coworker who I showed the email to was like, well, what word could they have been trying to say? And I was like, I don't know. And so I just like Googled it, Googled it. And I learned that this word means to, um, not to, it's with an attitude or look of suspicion or disapproval um so in context it makes a lot of sense because it it came from a a message from my um, apartment complex about um certain like rules and regulations and reminders and things like that and so um Mm -hmm. I thought it was really interesting uh the sentence that I can use it in um is Otherwise, we will look asconce at it, um, mm-hmm. is what the sentence was for my email. Okay. Um, and it was just talking about, like, things people may do for, like, throwing parties and stuff like that mm-hmm. and, like, you know, common courtesy things. So um, asconce was appropriate in that um, interesting situation. And I guess you can throw it into a sentence and <laughs> um the adverb so okay. you use it after a verb <laughs> okay adjective you you use before a noun adverb okay. after a verb so I don't know I I'm at a loss I don't know I don't have another example sentence because okay. I didn't even know this was a word until like less than 12 hours ago so interesting a sconce it's spelled like askance <laughs> so if I was going to say if you don't if if junior doesn't pick up his dirty socks off the floor I'm going to asconce I'm going to be looking at him with the sconce look asconce at him I'm going to look asconce at him mm-hmm. interesting okay yeah. Well, adverbs are kind of weird because they kind of seem like 
yeah like we're so used to adjectives and ad and adverbs that's like gracefully walked I guess it can go before a verb too I thought it was oh gracefully Hmm? well wouldn't gracefully be considered an adjective I think it's an adverb I know a lot of adverbs end with the lee I could tell you oh, okay. that much. Yeah, English, uh, uh, I'm more in the math than I am in English. So this is a House of Rock type uh, revisit uh, episodes that we need to. It's like, School of Rock. School, School of Rock, sorry. <laughs> I was thinking, I was I like, know. Wait, which? <laughs> I know people are listening like, what? and gracefully is indeed an adverb um so yeah i think a lot of adverbs have a lee on them and what makes it hard for us in our american english language is using adverbs that don't have a lee like a sconce um and there was another word that i i learned today but i can't remember what it was but it's something that's kind of like old english um so anyways i have broken english i'm just gonna just put it out there you do not have broken i speak proper when it comes to maybe someone's perspective but if if we're talking to someone that knows proper (laughs) english i speak uh broken english you you speak maybe improperly but broken english is like (laughs) you can't speak the language and you just like okay that's fair i speak uh slang word together like that's broken english i speak slang english that's fair improper sure yeah that's fair sure junior's got me on sure he keeps saying i'm i ask him questions and he's like sure like where'd you pick this up from so now he got me saying it in Um, my performance review I was told uh, that they picked up my phrase that's fair Um, (laughs) and I think that's funny because I do say that's fair like that's kind of like I have no response but that's a response um, that I can have like okay (laughs) like basically and I just found that funny because in therapy that was like the first thing she told me I needed to get well one of the one of the first things she told me I needed to get rid of in my vocabulary of like Mm -hmm. things aren't fair so stop saying that's fair because most things that you're telling me aren't and I'm (laughs) so maybe she needs to use it in the proper way that needs to be used not necessarily completely eliminate it or she just says like fairness doesn't exist Well, that's a whole different other episode. Let's move past that before we get too far down the line. And this ends up being like a two-hour episode. So anyways, Taylor, do you want to tell the listeners who we have on this week? Yes, this week we have on our uncle Gregory White, um, known to us as Uncle Greg. He is a... he is a okay I'll introduce Uncle Greg (laughs) what is he I don't remember his title but I know that I know I'm terrible I don't remember having a title like I I don't think he ever told us his exact title but I'll just I'll just give a little bit about he's a father he's a great uncle (laughs) but we also so we highlighted him 
for a particular reason. He's so, a union representative. Yes, so he's a union representative. That is a title. Um, mm-hmm. But also he has been working in manufacturing for a very long time. Also has um, dipped and dabbled in, actually not dipped and dabbled, officially um, has been a part of many uh, um, small businesses, including one that he owns by himself personally now working on like air conditioning and um more in trade area HVAC HVAC and different things Mm -hmm. like that and so we talk about that very high level um and this episode we really get into things that happen uh, or reasons why you why it's so important to have a union representative or to have a union Um, I learned a lot because I've worked in manufacturing and I've worked in plants. Um, and there are, it's very, you know, it can be pretty unsafe and, and uncle Greg provides some examples of his experiences and we won't name, um, companies or anything, but, you know, it's just, it's always good to have someone there that is, um, looking out for you and that can compensate you or your family, or and your family, if something were to happen um, to you on the job. And we we mentioned, you know, a couple of other places where maybe, you know, the work-life balance or the working environment is, um, it can be harsh. We won't say un- unfair, like, but we'll just say harsh. And so, um, it was a really good episode to kind of just learn about just something different, you know, where we've been highlighting a lot of our family members that are more in like the white collar desk type admin type work, except Henrietta and yeah, Henrietta, she's more like hands-on, you know, um, and even Aunt Sophia kind of when it comes Yeah, she's to, not sitting at a desk. She's not at true. Yeah. Um, but this was really cool to really kind of see, you know, someone that is actually a part of the process of, you know, when we buy houses or we build houses, you know, they are um a part of like the whole air conditioning or HVAC system that we, you know, take for granted. So, anyways. I will not give it, well, we will not give too much more information. We want you guys to listen and give us your feedback, but um, enjoy. Enjoy. Hey, y'all. So in this week, we have on our Uncle Greg. Indeed. Um, We are so excited to have him. So like I told you guys last week, I was like, we have family members coming on and like some of them I'm just like oh my god are they even gonna say yes and so Uncle Greg said yes yeah. so we're so grateful that he's on today um so obviously you guys have met Kaya and you guys met um Aunt Pam and so this is Aunt Pam's husband and this is Kaya's dad yes <laughs> um and so Uncle Greg to us I was just say Uncle Greg to me like I remember growing up as a teenager or a middle schooler, and he kind of taught me how to check my oil in my car, taught me, you know, how to maintenance my car stuff. He's always there to write. Well, when we were younger, now I'm like to the point where I can just go get movers, but Uncle Greg can help <laughs> me move my stuff all around the entire Midwest, yeah. um, from IU to Ohio to where Chicago like you have to go to Chicago 
Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, he helped kind of unpack some stuff. Yeah. By that time, like I felt actually no, you were there in Fishers helping us yeah. put the stuff to go to Chicago. Oh so yes, gosh. like just trifling. Like I'm a, <laughs> I, I've been, I've abused Uncle Greg enough. Um, oh my gosh. Helping him move him moving me around the city. Um, but I just appreciate Uncle Greg coming on because he has always been like a second father figure um to us and obviously you guys have met uh we've talked about our dad um but since our parents were divorced like you know we had uncles and grandparents and stuff kind of step up yeah. and not that our dad wasn't there but it's different when we have um a male figure in person every day yeah. you know to come and help and you know um, help my mom out whenever she needed something uncle yes. greg has always been that person he was there to help me pick up my first car as an adult like he was there to help me search out apartments in Ohio and him and Papa. And we were like, yeah, this ain't gonna work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Uncle Greg has been, um, yeah, has yeah. been awesome. So Taylor, you want to give your brief introduction, uh, Uncle Greg? Yeah, Uncle Greg has uh, definitely been there a lot. And um, I just remember like when you talk about doing stuff around the house, like he <laughs> yeah. replaced our hot water heater, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so he's always keeping us together. He uh, took me to the shooting range, which we'll talk a little bit about. <laughs> and that was my very first time. And that was so much fun. And I had a really good time. And it's kind of introduced guns and like a not scary way to me yeah. so um yeah that's uncle greg for me as amber was saying before uncle greg is sometimes not a man of many words but when he does speak it's always impactful mm -hmm. and, and hilarious helpful and hilarious <laughs> indeed um so yeah welcome uncle greg yeah welcome uh, thanks for having me thanks for having me <laughs> you know, i am uncle greg and of course you know like i say the I do a lot of things, I, you know, on my own little HVAC company on the side. I work from in my 18th year there, like 19th year. Yeah. Uh, so we just, you know, keep it moving. I'm always happy to help and interact. So um, that's kind of what I do. Yes. yes. And he served in the military too. And he served in the yes. military. Yes. He's the dad. He's a Christian. He's a like... He's assistant somewhat coach of volleyball yeah. like obviously not an official title <laughs> yes. but all the kids and all the kids on the, on the, on the girls because they can get they don't like being coached from the side <laughs> <laughs> yes both your daughters are volleyball players so like as a volleyball dad how did that like involve you had you had involvement in volleyball before uh no yeah. no we we kind of always had this thing from when our kids were really young is they're going to do something um so kind of pick neither one of them like basketball uh so i mean we did something the, the, there's only one rule in the thing is if you start it you got to finish you can't quit so they learned to, to pick <laughs> they learned to pick wisely after a while there but uh, it's been a fun i mean volleyball as you know we got involved with it and with both of them playing at the level and as much as they play it's probably one of the, my favorite sports um, when it's all said and done. It's fast paced, it's good, you know, it's competitive. So I, I am, I've enjoyed it, even though, you know, well, Nia plays it, um, in college, Kaya decided not to play uh, once she got to college. But um, so we still get to see a little bit of it, but we still have friends who have kids who play 
and and still try and get involved and watch matches as they go around so that's awesome yeah. Yeah, that's it's always fun to watch. And like volleyball is one of those, like you said, it's fast paced, but it's non-contact. So that's always good. Yeah, Yeah. Kaya was always funny because like basketball, she didn't like being touched. Yeah, I used to to always say, well, they're going to foul you. You might as well foul them back. <laughs> but Kaya's the type who they follow her too hard. I could see her swinging on the court. <laughs> they don't have to be yeah. like that. I could see her. <laughs> but um, so you um, also said like you're an entrepreneur. Um, so you have your own HVAC company. So what inspired you to get into HVAC? Um, it really started a long time ago. Like just growing up, I was just always you know, growing up with a single mom mm-hmm. and not having the money to pay for some of the services that, mm-hmm. you know, it t- how much it costs as it goes on. And then, uh, one, you know, when I was in high school, one of the, I was in a trade school where it was carpentry. So we built houses, while four houses while I was in high school, right off like 16th and Central. So, awesome. I mean, even now to this day, when I drive down there, you see our, the work to be done. So wow. I was always kind of like interested in the trades a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it's I'm kind of probably funny in terms of I don't like being cold so I'm not a big air conditioning person for me personally yeah but it's the you know just it's just fun in theory and practice how it works yeah Um, so that's kind of like what you know I kind of settled on and enjoy doing um like as today doing a whole install today Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just you know you never know you meet crazy good people and you meet some people <laughs> who don't take care of their stuff so it's all it runs the gamut and it's entertaining and it's fun and it's out and about I'm not sitting behind the desk all day or locked in one place so I enjoy those things about it yeah, yeah. and you are um, I know you mentioned I think you mentioned but I know this personally you are a supervisor at work so what would you say is kind of like on the teaching side so like I know you've had to like you've, you've learned it in trade school, you've learned, you know, at work, and now you have your own business, you know, doing HVAC, how have you been able to like, bring in new, you know, team members and stuff like that, and and teach them kind of like, hey, you know, yeah. here's how to do so it on, on, on the work, but it's different. I am not the supervisor. I am probably the supervisors. I'm the union person. So oh, okay. I work with all the supervisors so on the flip side. So it, it's the yin and yang of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so right now I got, you know, the supervisors that I work with are pretty cool. They, you know, okay. we kind of got it figured out, but work is for me uh, on a daily basis. It's entertaining because you have all kinds of people mm-hmm. and that it's a lot of rules and regulation that go on that um i'm very involved in and in, in trying to make it run smooth when people can have attitudes and not care about <laughs> their stuff so you know yeah. sometimes it's crazy because you care more about their job than they do in time yeah. uh, so yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's a being in a union shop in today's manufacturing is definitely different than what it was when i first started working in manufacturing just based yeah. off the way the companies are the yeah. you know it's it's always been union but you know you had so you would think it wouldn't change that much but it really has changed quite a bit yeah through the the years over there so um and and you know it's it's entertaining (laughs) (laughs) how people act in on both sides it's not only yeah yeah. the the you know the the hourly working union person but sometimes management can be 
yeah you know what they are well yeah yeah interesting management everywhere corporate like it's that corporate mentality is like gosh but i also (laughs) wonder so i know what a union is um but, but let's talk about what it is to be like a union leader so unions pretty much exist to protect the worker make sure that they are being fairly treated um but what makes that important in your field and also what is that to be a leader in the union yeah it is extremely important in terms of just your day-to-day um in terms of when you come to work and what kind of work conditions that you have to work in or feel like you have to work in mm-hmm. um even even in a, in a in a union shop there are clear set rules that you know your safety is one big one just the you know it it should be forefront in everybody's mind but a lot of times when you get the big corporate real one of this is production do this do that at all costs and when you have someone who don't feel safe or comfortable a lot of people don't know how to not get to put themselves in a bad situation even though you know we're in a union shop so i can just imagine what it's like in non-union places and workplaces when you you know when they can do whatever they want to do to you um and the way our manufacturing works is they really all they have to do is ask for their union rep ask for me i mean mm-hmm. as petty as the rules are or <laughs> anybody knows yeah. i know the rules and you pretty much know what they can and can't do and a lot of times if you take the emotion out of it yeah. and you get down to the brass tax of just saying hey i need help yeah you know it's, it's that way <laughs> mm-hmm. i'm pretty even killed in most cases so when I, and I've been, I've been doing the union thing or representing uh, a union rep for quite a few years now. Mm-hmm, yeah. I'm pretty laid back. Or at least <laughs> think, um, most people think I'm nice, but I'm not that nice. I like <laughs> You seem like um, a no-nonsense type of person, but you would deliver it in a very nice way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah sometimes you have to be direct in that delivery. And that's, you know, they're like, oh, what happened to the nice guy that was just sitting over there not saying much? It all depends on, you know, what situation it is. But it is, it, it's, I used to, I, the people that I visit all the time, they always want you to be mad because they're mad. Yeah. Uh, so anytime you go up into something, I'm like, I tell them all the time, I'm not in trouble. So I'm not going to be in here yelling and fussing and cussing yeah. at nobody because I'm not in trouble. Yeah. You're low key may be in trouble. So <laughs> <laughs> you can't judge your actions and how you're feeling of yeah. how I'm going to represent you. So, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The ones who don't, uh, you yeah. know, deal yeah. with it the hard way but it's 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 entertaining yeah. as most things are people and how they feel about how they can conduct themselves at work it's not always a company at fault sometimes people in their you know their feelings or their emotions mm-hmm. uh act out <laughs> yeah they need a buffer so yeah let's yeah. touch base okay oh, yeah it almost sounds like a mediator type of role yeah yeah and, yeah and i was just gonna talk about too like some of the things that you mentioned were like emotional EQ. Mm. So like helping the other like team members, like, listen, this is what's going I, We We understand the facts, but this is how, you know, if you want me to represent you or if we trying to figure out this situation, I need you to pipe down. Like, how have you been able to, because I'll, I'll say for me, when I first started working, 
emotional EQ or IQ or whatever, however, was um, hard for me because I just was just like, you know what, if I have something to say, you know, I'm going to say, obviously professional, be professional at work, but know when to be tactful. How have you been able to like know what battles you need to, I guess, fight, you know, as a, a representative, but then also how have you been able to kind of like help your team members know like, hey, you know, if you go all out and start acting like insane and crazy, it might not turn out the way that you, you know, want it to be and you're going to make it harder on us, you know, mm-hmm. to help you. So, yeah, in, in that vein, there, like for me, I just believe in being a, to each his own thing. You don't have to be like me, look like me, speak because we got like a lot of Burmese people that we work with. And what happens is when you're fair to, with people mm-hmm. and you do think it becomes a lot easier because mm-hmm. they know that, you know, I may not agree with you, but if I don't agree with you, I'm going to make sure I let you know why I do not agree with, with mm-hmm. what's going on in that situation and or what the rule is yeah. in that situation. And if they're mad and they're fussing and cussing, sometimes you got to cuss them out before you get <laughs> in front of somebody that, that's going to make a decision that's going to negatively affect or affect them. Yeah. Um, so you, a lot of times you're mediating on the very low levels of just a person doing a job and a supervisor or in a lot of different ways like that. And then you mediate that different than if you're going up for a termination type situation, mm-hmm. then it's different in terms of that but what they have to realize is we all have relationships in the workplace from wherever you know you're coming if you're an hourly person and you just do just maybe like a job over here where you're just doing this sort of thing and you don't interact with anybody you may not know that person yeah uh, that, that that you're you know you had to come into well i done been in meetings with from the head person all the way down and it's just how you know so you build those relationships they pretty much know if you're a fair person or not and you have to be fair in, yeah. in my opinion you you have to be fair in how you treat the average everyday person in or even if you're going into a meeting with somebody that has a decision to make based off of something that's, that's happened out on the floor so all of those things are important in terms of how you approach the situation so my question is so someone has a problem a, a rule has been broken or someone didn't know that something was a rule like they come to you and then you bring it to like a large platform and then the platform decides what's the appropriate action or what's the order of action i'm I'm going to tell you like most people know what the rules are they just choose to do what they want to do Uh, and they do what they want to do enough that they think it becomes the norm Mm. and and it's like so it's always, and I think it's twofold because like sometimes if you've got a supervisor, they know what the rules are too, but they're only going to try to enforce the rules if they get mad or upset with somebody. And, mm-hmm. and in our environment, you have to be consistently consistent with what you're doing. If it's, a, if it's a violation, it has to be a violation to everybody, not only people you like or people that you're cool with. Yeah. So a lot of times they'll sit there and watch, like we're not supposed to be on our phones uh, during the production hours. Well, there are some people on their phone 10 hours a day <laughs> and they're right in front of them and they, they'll let that person do it. And they want to come over here and do it. It's basically like the write up principle, like, okay, I'm going to give you this write up for this plant rule violation here. Yeah. And, you know, so I'm looking, I'm like, well, okay, I'm sitting up here watching you look at this person right here all day and you don't say anything. 
but because this person right here is doing whatever you want to go yeah. get with them yeah. so that's a lot of what goes on but it can be, I mean it can be people come to work drunk <laughs> people okay. come, it is yeah. it's, it's all kinds of stuff yeah um, there's I always tell people this there, you cannot get fired in a new a union shop yeah. unless you're just really just really doing yeah. some stuff that you shouldn't be doing because there's always a program or something to put into that give yourself a chance to get right so yeah yeah, yeah. That's fair. Well, I think the work that like just you being a representative is really good because I know like when I think of Amazon, Amazon mm. is always in the news about, you know, and obviously we can't necessarily like, I don't know the details. I've never, you know, have worked yeah. for Amazon, but they have a stigma mm-hmm. of being slave drivers, of not allowing, you know, just not really seeing their people as, I wouldn't say human. But, you know, they have a very tight schedule of things that they need to get out from Susie Q's, you know, Barbie watch needs to get from this person to Susie Q's, you know, parents house tomorrow by 8 a.m. You know, like, yeah, it's very strange. There's there's ways of doing that without doing it the way they do it. I mean, (laughs) it's really strategy in terms of how you're going to be production is production. Like when you're doing. I mean, anywhere you, what you're doing is you're producing something, you have a time frame in which you're trying to do it in and as efficient as you can. But when you're working with humans and people, you know, like going to the bathroom is a yeah. natural thing. And for you to say, you clock out and go to the bathroom and your bathroom is X, you know, yeah. way over there because you're in a big facility. I think those are unfair yeah. kind of corporate policies that need to be challenged with yeah. unionship in terms of that if they couldn't do it themselves because if they were doing it and being fair it wouldn't be necessarily a big issue to get unions in places because there's a lot of places that are non-union that are that you know that do things that make it hard for unions to get into when you treat people right yeah you know, aside from pay uh <laughs> which yeah. is is a proven fact that you know union shops are normally paid way more than way the average more. person working over there so and those are all things that you know you yeah. look at or take into account yeah. yeah and so amazon is not unionized so i think yeah i don't think they are yeah. but i think they're working they just had one i think they just had yeah. one in new jersey that i yeah. think got it in there was a big thing about alabama i know last year where they were trying to do it and amazon was doing like a lot of shady things that i think yeah. they're gonna come back and do a lot of places a lot of places do it that are non-union Mm-hmm. there's rules there's a lot of rules to a lot of regulations and all that good stuff once it's in there it's hard for corporate companies to get away from them because there's certain rules and regulations that go with it and yeah. just like for like for instance us in order for them to leave they have to notify the union a year in advance that they're moving mm-hmm. so there's a lot of stuff that you can do that like for us we had a big thing where they were going to mexico mm-hmm. uh they were supposed to be moving to mexico uh, maybe five or six years ago yeah. well so like corporations do they come in and have a meeting one morning and just say hey because they have to notify the union yeah. a year in advance that they're going to be re- leaving so they get caught on the wrong side of uh you know the public opinion yeah. in terms of how they how it was doing and so half of half of the plant did go to mexico the other half stayed because yeah. a whole bunch of stuff politics got involved yeah. Uh, it was part of uh, the time 
yeah. Mr. President Trump came in and all that. It was a bunch of stuff going on with it. Yeah. But yeah. those kind of things help when they just can't shut the door and leave. They have to notify you by, you know, by contract a year in advance what they're doing. Yeah. So that helps. That gives people that are working in that environment a chance. And there was a bunch of other stuff they had to do to protect you, retrain, yeah. pay for school, all, all kinds of protections come along with it. So, mm. yeah. Why do you think they don't have unions for for every corporation? Like, I think even when you think of, I mean, obviously there's laws around, you know, protecting children. Mm-hmm. There's laws, you know, for different things, but not every corporation or every industry has a union. And mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I think sometimes, I think they probably should because, you know, like when, <laughs> yeah like Taylor, you know sometimes at work work like hebrew slaves you know like they pay us a certain amount of money but then like you know especially if you're not hourly it's like hey you know i can call you at six o'clock in the morning and or email you and you better like have x y and z like i feel like sometimes there's no protection to you know other places and, and that that is one thing that I always say that a lot of times people do not understand the importance of it because corporations do the Indiana is a prime example of uh, uh, what they call it is a basically right to work state where mm-hmm. you don't have to pay union dues but they the union still have to represent you so basically what it is is a big funding thing where yes you got all these people who get mad for whatever reason they don't want to put their money in there but what happens that the average person don't think about mm-hmm. is the state of Indiana is a conservative state. So they're not yeah. going to do anything to keep unions strong. They're trying to foster support for corporations in a sense. And corporations mm-hmm. don't want to deal with unions because it's hard for them to do so in terms yeah. of protections, A and pay, all these different things they have to do, safety regulations. And, it, and it's cost effective to a uh, costly because if you're going to, have something where it's a grievance process. Now you have to take it from the floor mm-hmm. into these three steps before it goes to arbitration. So you have first step, second step, third step, where you meet with the union and you're all trying to sell it out. If that don't happen, then it goes into arbitration. So when you have a union members who are not paying union dues, it weakens that because you know the union has to pay a portion of what goes on mm-hmm. also in terms of that. So it's a lot go. It's 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 inter- it's really interesting when you, if you were to think and do a study on unions through the years and and what it and what it is and how it's done in today's uh, workforce a lot of times. But I I believe the more people unionize, the smarter it would be for the average working person. So yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> and holidays, you get the holidays off a lot of times. Mm-hmm. You get it. <laughs> And see, that's that part too. Like any, I feel like any day that a kid gets off of school, an adult should get off of work. I just, I just because one, who's going to be watching the kids? First of all, that's first of all. Second of all, yeah. is like work is so much harder than school. <laughs> it's, it's, more, it's, it's, it's funny like, when you see the people who uh don't have the holidays i like mm. uh my partner he's like man you got everything i was like well yeah we do because you know <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's a union shop and yeah. it's something like coming up in memorial day it's two days off it's mm. one holiday before it's a two-day holiday memorial day so every year 
you know, when the race goes on, it's two days off. Yeah. <laughs> so it's already, like I ain't mad at it. I'm taking that whole thing off. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> but um, definitely, definitely think like unions are beneficial and protect the individual. But in the work that you do, so um, like in manufacturing, that makes up the fabric of our society. A lot of us are consumers. Um, we live in a very consumerist society, a capitalistic society. So does that look like every day you're making things? And what does make too? Yeah. Makes here in, in Indy, mm -hmm. they make the gas furnace. Mm -hmm. It's the biggest gas furnace producer in the whole U.S. Mm -hmm. um, the market share is just ridiculous. So henceforth, we work a lot. Yeah. Um, but that's the main thing here. But they make um, different stuff. It's different, like commercial. It's residential that we make here in Indy. Uh, so Makes if you got a nice little gas furnace and it's any of the other ones they make, it's made here in Indy. Mm. Okay. And and with a gas furnace too, like you're working with like chemicals, right? Like no, it, like the way I would say in terms of it's basically a gas valve, a metal cake, and some heat exchangers. And if it's a high efficiency, it has a little bit more detail because you got a secondary heat exchanger in there. But it's basically just all metal and sheet metal, sheet work. And then you got the control boards and the safety features that's in there with it. Yeah, it it's a fun, um, it's it's a very advanced and unique form of manufacturing, how, we, how we're doing here in Indy. Yeah. But um, you know, it is. If you ever get a chance to take a tour, I would I would say yes, take a tour, and you can see how it's um, how it's done and how uh, fast it's done in terms oh of some of the stuff. That's yeah. right. from where it starts to where it finishes. You know, it's it starts with just a, a flat piece of sheet metal mm -hmm. at one end, and by the time it gets out the back, it's a it looks different. It's, it's yeah. a pretty cool place. That's really cool. Yeah. What would you say is like, has things changed a lot with COVID? Because I know that <clears throat> they always talk about the supply chain mm -hmm. and how it's all backed up and the work, like obviously what you guys are making in that plant impacts, you know, home builders and, you know, what they need to finish off when it comes to like, you know, new homes or even just existing homes and their stuff like, you know, breaking and needing to be replaced. Have you guys seen yeah. like, a lot of disruption um, in general. No, <laughs> uh, no. Uh, because it, it's it's advanced manufacturing, and I think back through the years, pretty much nothing stops it. We when COVID first hit, uh, we were down for two weeks, and after that, that was it. We've worked pretty much every day, just about every weekend since, mm -hmm. and and COVID impacted us with a lot of people who passed from COVID, but mm. um, I, I, it's mm. like I said, I'm in my 18th, when I'm 19th year and yeah. through the years, there are things that happen where people die at work or have accidents at work. And I, it was, it was I, and then I guess this is one thing that always sticks with me that strikes me. It was a guy that had worked there for 50 years. Wow. And another guy that had worked there for like 47 or 48 years. Now they have been there that long. The guy that didn't, had been there for 50 years got his whole arm cut off <gasps> in a press, oh, uh, you know, and that night work did not stop. And I just remember seeing the other guy who had worked with him for all those years, just days, but manufacturing does not stop. 
yeah keep going and you know that is that's manufacturing in today's america if you ask me um when he got his arm cut off he came back to work and he worked uh with his arm missing for another year or two before he retired so i mean you know when we they you got some people that's been there a long time and just doing it but that night i just it shows you yeah not very much if anything stops manufacturing if they you know if they got the part and if and I think the biggest change from when I first started to now is there is just about everything is outsourced. Mm-hmm. But when you're the big, when you're the big one, you find the ways to get the parts you need, even if it's at the cost of somebody else. So, mm-hmm. you know, they have challenges sometimes, but they find a way to work around it. And when I first started, they used to make just about everything themselves from the control boards to all the stuff you needed. But of course now, you know, it comes from China or whatever. And mm-hmm. that's one of the, the little known facts about, uh, the U.S. is if it's assembled here, you can put a made in America on it. It doesn't. Everything can come yeah. from everywhere else in the world, but as long as it's assembled here, you can put made in America on it. Yeah, yeah, and that's a really big part of like that humanistic element, and I think that's why it's important to have a union in place because like the that is very brutal i hope i hope that they were able to have somebody like give that man counseling who has one who lost the arm and two everyone who witnessed because i could only imagine but um i think like that part like production doesn't stop you got two weeks off of um working for covid and everyone else probably got two months right like most people kind of um like things were everybody I don't know what's going on (laughs) and then it's like uh I'm just also thinking about production too though because like when all those ships were um off on the coast like even science was affected by that of like all the different plastics and stuff that we outsource from different countries and everything but like making the furnaces wasn't like stop so that's just so so interesting to me like it's it's yeah. just it's they've very- actually grown they, they've grown through it because other other companies make decisions based off of hey it's a pandemic we're not going to do xyz so mm. they're just going to gain their market share like if they can't produce it we're producing there it is mm. you're growing and growing and growing and you're consuming and it doesn't stop it's just what they're going to do that makes sense yeah yeah well, cool. Well, I want to pivot a little bit to okay. entrepreneurship. Yeah. So I we know from like when we talked to we went backwards and talked to Uncle Alan about how you guys came together and um put um had a vending machine business. Was that the first time you ever went into entrepreneurship? And if not, what made you want to start your own business? What made you, what was your first business? What have you learned from it? The, the, for me, I, I think I learned not just necessarily that it was going to be business, but I don't, I, when I first got out of the military and I came back here and started working, when I was in high school, I did dry cleaning. And, mm-hmm. I, and, and initially when I was in high school, I, I used to always think that I would, you know, do a dry cleaning business, mm-hmm. you know, something that's going to always be there. But then the hindsight tells you that <laughs> they're hard to find a dry cleaners nowadays. But mm-hmm. it was, I had, and I, I used to work at a dry cleaners on the South side of Indy. Um, 
I went to tech high school and one of the things about tech high school is they had like a really unique in terms of um, academic, well, you know, trades type. Yep. Yeah. So yep. my, uh, my initial one was basically Carp Street and I also did dry cleaning and the guy that I worked for, her dad was one of the ones instrumental in setting up the dry cleaning uh, trade portion at tech. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when I graduated, well, I was making money by the high school. Yeah. <laughs> that used to be, you know, I have a, a little thing. If you're going to be good, if you're going to be doing it, be good at it. Yeah. So I used to always, you know, do the clothes. And every Friday, you can do whatever we want to do because that was part of being in dry cleaning. You can do your own clothes. You can do any other people's clothes. And of course, if you're doing other people's clothes, they're going to pay you to yeah. do it. So I had a majority of the teachers. I had, oh, you know, everybody. So <laughs> it was just, you know what it what it, you know that was my first thing and thinking that I, that's probably what I was going to do mm-hmm. but when I moved back here I, I used to work um on the south side of the dry cleaner and I did it was cool I enjoyed it, it was going mm-hmm. well and all that stuff but the older guy who owned it sold it to mm-hmm. just like how we are nowadays he sold it to a young guy probably 28 29 from Boston mm-hmm. and uh I used to work with this. The lady really never cared for me because I, you know, like if you do something well, people are going to tend to appreciate you for, you know, doing it well mm-hmm. and pay you for doing it well. And I, I came in, she got a promotion and she did not care for me. Mm-hmm. And so I came, she, so she came in on her little high horse and I had a meeting that I was trying to get to at the work that day. She came up like, oh, well, I need you to stay. I was like, hey, you know, I have a meeting. I, you know, I got something I'm doing after work. Yeah. And she's like, well, you basically, you better stay or whatever. I was like, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> I went to my meeting and she fired me oh, on the day. phone. Oh, and so oh my gosh. It, was, it was so funny because what I took away from that is, you know, although I had another job, it didn't really impact me that way, but it, yeah. it made me realize that, hey, you should always have something else that you're going to be doing or yep. another way to do it because you're going to continually deal with people like that no yep. matter what. And and so yep. that's kind of how it was for me and pretty much what I've always done, no matter, I mean, if I'm doing something, I'm going to be doing something else. Yep. And yeah. that's just kind of uh, what it is, yeah. what pretty much lived by. I think that's important because I think a lot of us don't understand the concept of multiple streams of income. It's always important. Mm -hmm. And I also think that sometimes uh, we may get lost because we're so involved in our line of work, but finding passive income, because it's not always entrepreneurship, it's sometimes investments, it's Mm -hmm. sometimes, uh, you know, outsourcing to a friend or something who can like do the business and you support in whatever way that you mm-hmm. guys agree upon yeah. that multiple sources of income is something that's always like valuable no matter how you do it yeah just figure it out <laughs> yeah. and take make the sacrifices it takes you know a lot of your free time when you want to be on the couch uh doing something mm-hmm. you'll be you know doing something else you know to do it so um and just be able to and you and you have to control how you you can grow i mean i think that's one of the reasons why i can stay in manufacturing now is because i don't feel like i'm stuck you know yeah. a lot of times i if, if you know if it gets bad i, I have another yeah. avenue that i can do that you know i mean i don't have to make a change and commit more time to something else that i you know i pretty much kind of balance my time out now between that 
and what I have going on and, uh, you know, that. But I guess, you know, I can do whatever it is I really want to do in terms of the next step if I so choose. So it takes, it makes going into work every day a little bit more, you know, easy for me because I see some people who are just feel like this is all I'm going to do for the next 30 years and they can't do anything else. And they, you know, they got the stress of that. That's not how I really approach it. Mm. Yeah. And I think you're, you're showing a good example for Kaya and Nia too, because like, as far as multiple streams of income, because sometimes, or most of the time that's not taught, you know, it's, it's taught that you either go get a trade or go to the military or you go to work or you go to school you pick an area like or industry and you stick with it and you stay there as long as you can you know at least that's the old school way of thinking about it and you stay there and then you give them you know 50 years of your life you hope that you get a pension and you retire but then like there's no you lose out on all that control because you know the guy that you were talking about that lost his arm you know, what if he would have lost his life? They would have found someone else to, you know, pick up, you know, what he yeah. was doing and they would have just kept them moving, you know? And, like, and they, they've done that. They're, 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 when I first got hired there, there was a guy who got hit, got smashed between a press and a forklift and he died and it didn't stop and kept moving. Oh, so God. Yeah. You know, that's, that's just part of, you got to understand that when you are in manufacturing, that's just here, you know, think about the people that was in the steel mills back in the yeah, day and gosh. those lines of work and just in those industry coal miners if yeah. you're in with all of those things would be much worse but most of those industries are unionized and therefore yeah. you don't really hear about the safety concerns as much nowadays they you know they're paid pretty well so if you think about if you just think about northwest indiana yeah in a whole a lot of those people worked in steel mills but their kids went on to college yeah. And, you know, they, you know, typically you have those things where they, you know, advance yeah. from, you know, union shops and they may have been tough jobs and whatnot, but it's that way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also wild because like I live in Chicago now. So there's this place that you is obviously like a manufacturing, an old manufacturing place. And it looks like almost like just removed from human and everything that you need for it to do is like it would do. But Mm. like the stairs of the building are on the outside and it's Mm. almost like a fire escape type of situation. Mm. And I was like, people used to like have to climb that up like daily to do their job and that's just wild because you don't think you would think it's like going into like how most amazon plants are you like take the stairs or the elevator and then you go in there sit down and like pull stuff from the conveyor belt or whatever or walk around and grab whatever you need but they literally had like people like basically scaling a building to Mm -hmm. do their job for manufacturing which is wild yeah yeah but yeah I think that's that's probably not probably definitely one of those things where making sure work conditions are conducive to like (laughs) not like being on edge every day and that's the edge of like getting hurt you know yeah yeah the key is don't get in debt. So if you got to walk away, you can. Yeah. <laughs> like, look, look. Like, I'm not working here today. I'm gone. 
Yeah. <laughs> that, that debt will make you stay, boy, if you got all that debt on your head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that'll make you stay at a corporate job. <laughs> Once you start getting in the rat race, like, yeah. it's hard to get off. So. Yeah. And then it becomes a pride thing, but I digress. <laughs> um, <laughs> I will digress. So I think now is, are you good for rapid well, fire? I, I wanted know. to talk about one more thing. Okay, let's do it. Because um, we, it's kind of in that rapid fire area, but I also wanted to say how um, Uncle Greg likes, the, well, one, Uncle Greg's baked beans are the bomb. Yes. Um, and Uncle Greg love like his snacks are always on point so when it comes to food what would you say like your love of getting into food grilling barbecue and we also didn't even talk about um bearing arms and different things like that yet we can touch base a little bit about that but let's talk about food so I know at every family function especially when it's like a grill you uh either what do you call it? Experiment, try, or bring out one of your old and faithful recipes. Have you always wanted to like have always been into cooking? I know you love to use your hands, whether it's at work, whether it's I've seen you do some renovations around house, you know, around the house, and Very you know, handy. just different things when it comes to cooking. Did you were your did your mom teach you how to cook, or did you just experiment, or what has been your like? tied to that so my mom always cooks i i am probably the pickiest eater that you all know <laughs> but <laughs> uh nia might be the next is, one in line yeah nia's probably similar to that but <laughs> i just simply if it's something that that i'm gonna make or i'm gonna do i'm gonna make it pretty much the best i'm yeah. gonna do it the, and that's just anything you're doing if you're gonna be doing it make it be good at it if, yeah you know, why not you know not, why not perfect what you're doing? I guess yeah, that's yeah. how I am, but and it doesn't have to be in people's face and all that. But yeah, if I'm going to do something, I'm typically going to do it the right way, and it's going to be. And even if I make it a few times, I'm going to perfect it to get the most out of it. I guess. Yeah. So yeah. The things that I make is typically how I approach it. Yeah. What's your favorite dish to cook? My favorite dish to cook. Well, my favorite thing is probably pork and beans and wieners. So yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's my go-to. That, that's yeah. my staple right there. But yeah. like, I'll cook what I like, and and typically, if I like something, if I if I don't want it, I'm not going to make it. I guess yeah. I got a taste for it, then I'm going to do it and do what it takes to make it right and be enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. Um. So Amber says she wanted to touch on firearms. So, um, for whatever I know, firearms can be a sensitive um conversation. Yeah, we for can keep people. it very light. So I just, I, no, I, I just like all kinds of stuff. It's all, yeah, <laughs> good. It's all it's all good. So, um, what got you into guns, and um, why is that an importance for you? I just like the differences. There, like, like I mean, if you're gonna carry a gun i just i think that's why people have multiple guns because the situations are always varying or changing and and i think women shouldn't be afraid of getting firearms you know because you dress different ways you do you go places so the more you comfortable you get with them and different stuff you just kind of acquire what it is you know your situation might change like hey you know what i saw it if you go into the store you see different stuff that's how you get it i mean you do it i mean Mm -hmm. i like what i like and 
it's just and you don't have to always do it for protection either sometimes they're just fun to go out and go to the range yeah. and shoot different stuff yeah. and just have fun and and, and go at it so that's kind of how I do it and then you know as you go and learn what you like and do things that you like to do then it just becomes after a while they can be expensive but you yeah. know you just kind of figure it out yeah yeah I think Brandon um you and Brandon and then there's a couple other people that have like I feel like sometimes there's this big um stigma on like bearing arms but sometimes it can even be looked at as a hobby yeah um, especially yeah. when you think about hunting sporting yeah um yeah. different things like that I know with Brandon he has like some type of license or something because he um is a pilot and he has to you know he he's, he's able a fire marshal yeah fire marshal he's able to carry a gun um for that reason but I think even with that he's learned to like the mechanics behind guns like how to build them yeah. like it's kind of like that entre- yeah. not entrepreneur but the engineering the building yeah. type of um aspect of it um yeah. so I think you know have you ever thought about hunting uh, with guns or Never, is it? I'm okay. not <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm that person that likes to go fishing, but I don't want to okay. catch anything because I don't want to touch nothing. Yeah, but I, I, I really need. So that's kind of how I feel about hunting. I'm not gonna go shoot Bambi because I'm not gonna pick Bambi up once he's shot. That's it. <laughs> so that's because what it takes to pick Bambi up, you ain't just putting that on your back unless yeah. that's what you've been training for at the gym. But uh, <laughs> yeah, go shoot a dry target, something I don't have to pick up. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. yeah, and it's a lot of fun too, like going with you and having that first. And I could tell you had like an excitement to teach too. Yeah. So that yeah. was a really good experience for me, and it's uh, fostered a lot of good times for me too. So um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think Uncle Greg has been teaching for a long time. Yeah. Whether it's like your base, like guns, or like the basic things of like, hey here's what you need to do to check, you know, whatever you know, oil you got going in the car. Or I remember most recently, Nick and I have been trifling enough not to get a water heater yet, but our <laughs> water softener, but we're going to get there. But Uncle Greg has like this amazing, like water system, like situation down in their basement that he's like built, you mm-hmm. know, built on and stuff. So that's been cool just learning from you in general like that teaching aspect on everything that you're doing whether it's volleyball whether it is you know HVAC whether it is let me fit let me show you how to make a proper beanie weenies or you know baked beans or whatever like there's always that teaching aspect yeah and I think because you are very self-sufficient you teach others how to be self-sufficient too Mm -hmm. so like self-sufficient in the way of like to call you a handyman is like not (laughs) fully encompassing Mm -mm. all of the trades and the skills that you like have and also teach others you display that like yeah like I know if I need to help like painting a wall like you could do it and do it well (laughs) and I'm just thinking about your splotchy red wall but we can talk about that at a different time I was even Um, gonna think of golf like, oh, and golfing. Oh my gosh. You taught me how to golf. Yeah. I forgot about yeah. that. You taught me how to hold a club. Like yeah. I went to um uh I went to what was it? Top was golf. Top golf and like the pinky loop I learned. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> 
do you still golf still yeah yeah i do i it's so crazy because that's probably the downside about being good at stuff is that you as the the business grow i work a lot already but it's yeah. it's hard to get the time i make the time you know but i would like to have more time to, to get out and do it more but i may i, I still play quite a quite a bit and especially aunt pam lets you not know, you play every week that is so funny oh cool i'm good with that okay so let's get started with the yeah rapid fire questions (laughs) um so rapid fire questions we prep uncle uncle greg but for the audience um we have a series i guess like multiple (laughs) questions um where they differ in difficulty and also like length and everything like that but we just want to know a little bit more about uncle greg before we get out of here so um let me go first yeah you can go first so what is the best golf course in the city of indianapolis buffer park even though it's a nine-hole course it is flat out the best golf course in the city it's it's next to the city dump but it is the best you said welfare park buffer buffer park yeah okay it's not open on sundays neither it's only open um monday through saturday but it's nine hole but it's the best course in probably in the state if you ask me but it's definitely the city well we'll share that in the show notes yes indeed okay so out of i know like you do hot water soft soft water softener like hvac like what is your favorite thing to work on um in a house i'm gonna say the air conditioner side not because it pays the most but it is the most physics and the most things going on with it it is the most interesting um aspect of it just all around is that and i don't like being cold but it's it's uh that's the best part <laughs> <laughs> do you think um like because i recently had a refrigerator go out or well it was a freezer go out at work is it does it kind of work the same with like a compressor and like yes like that it's, okay. That's one thing that people don't understand about HVAC. We are, if you've ever been in a surgery room, Mm -hmm. restaurants, Mm -hmm. those walk-in coolers, Mm -hmm. uh, every aspect of it is us um, from all around. And so we can work anywhere and maintain it because a surgical room has to be maintained at a certain temperature. You have to have an HVAC person for that. A walk-in cooler food has to be kept at a certain temperature, has to be HVAC person for that. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a really wide range. It's not just residential um, buildings. Every building you walk into, that if it's, um, every person puts out 300 BTU an hour. So Mm -hmm. think about this. In the wintertime, if you're in a university building, they're actually cooling that building. It's not being heated because the people are heating it. So all of those things are, you know, things that, comes into play when you're dealing with the HVAC side of it. Mm, yeah. Very cool. What would you say is, I'm trying not to do food because we've already talked about food. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the best trip that you and Aunt PM have ever taken as far as for vacation? It could be either by uh, yourself or with the girls. I, I, I'm going to say one of, one of my favorite, funny, well, one of my favorite trips was when we went to Myrtle Beach mm. to drive with Papa because I yeah. just remember trying not to have him drive through the mountains yeah. and he was determined to drive the mountains. That was a fun trip for me in terms of what, and me and Pam through the years, we've had like a lot of great uh, vacations and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. I, that was just rememberable because, <laughs> oh my God, that ride with him driving. 
<laughs> I just that's that one sticks out to me right off the top of my head. That's so funny. He has a hard foot, so yeah. I can only imagine like oh, going down the mountain, giving it gas, and then slamming on the brakes. And <laughs> oh my goodness, that was that what I remember. I would have faked like I was about to pee in the car before we got there, <laughs> and then. Oh, on the way back, I was trying not to have him hit. I was trying to have him drive first so I could drive the bell, but he wasn't having it. Like, <laughs> so that was just, oh, wow. it's Trevor and Papa. Um, <laughs> so my question is, what is your favorite sport? I know you said volleyball, yeah. but like if let's, I mean, if it's volleyball, it's volleyball. He watches sports. If I'm playing, if, if, if I'm playing, when I was growing up, football was clearly my favorite yeah. of all sports ever. But now it's, it's going to be golf for me. Mm-hmm. Watching volleyball, just because we did so much of it, I've learned to appreciate it a, a great deal. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that too. So what's the next trip you hope to take? Um, right now, I've, I've been thinking about um, maybe Jamaica. I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, man, I need to talk to Sam about maybe going to, um, that's, I think that's the next place I think we really want to, okay. or I really want to go. We make it work, I think. Well, yeah. talk to her before your episode comes out so, we don't... <laughs> <laughs> so she doesn't find out with your episode. <laughs> It'll work out. Yes, indeed. Well, thank you, Uncle Greg, so much for coming tonight. We really do appreciate you. Thank you so much. Uh, Had a blast. I enjoyed it. (laughs) We had a blast as well. We learned so much about, like, just, I didn't know that much about unions. I remember, like, being in Kroger and us having a union, but that we had to pay every month or every pay period of our paycheck, but Mm -hmm. just to kind of. People stuck up on that, but yeah. Yeah. But wow. to hear stories about people losing limbs and, you know, overwork, you can't even use the bat, like, you know, the bathroom, yeah. you gotta run to the bathroom, run back, you know, like, it's yeah. just, it's just different things that we don't think about when it comes to people making, making or putting together or shipping or logistics stuff. Like we just don't have that appreciation. We just go in, yeah, pick up our milk from, you know, Kroger from the yeah. shelf. But there's a million things that had to happen before we even had access to that. Yeah. It's yeah. almost like, I know this is kind of like really out there, yeah. but like for them to do their hiring and business side, they should consult like a biologist so they can talk about the importance of using a bathroom and hire appropriately so, they, <laughs> so that people don't have to clock out to use the bathroom. That's true. And so that they have enough staff that even if that person goes to the bathroom, like they will still meet their quota yeah. so maybe biologists need to be consulted i think it's more of a control thing they want you they want yeah, to control they, know, your every they just move. don't care yeah no. they know they just don't care they're gonna do <laughs> what they do because they can so mm-hmm. that's, yeah that's really what it comes down to mm-hmm. yeah people will do what they can get away with yeah but, yeah, yeah. Well, well thank you again. again for coming and we will talk to you soon yep all right tomorrow yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see all you right. tomorrow. Bye. All right. All right. Bye bye. 
So I hope you all enjoyed the interview with Uncle Greg. I know for me, I learned a lot about why it's important to have a union rep present. And if I were working um, with Uncle Greg in the factory, I definitely would um, have him as an ally, especially when it comes to fairness in the workplace and safety. And all of those things are so important. And we forget about the humanity that goes into um, the manufacturing plants and how much they are sacrificing to be able to be there so that we can live our everyday life, such as he works in a factory where they make hot water heaters. And I think. Um, that is really important uh, for our everyday life. So um, considering everything, the, the level of importance that they have um, unions for the win, for sure. Also, um, I hope you all were able to gleam a little bit of how amazing of a man my Uncle Greg is, our Uncle Greg is, because I he taught me how to shoot, and I think that's awesome. Um, and he always is there to help us when we have any questions about things around the house. He's an all-around handyman, which is pretty awesome, especially when our mom was a single mother. He helped out a lot around the house. Um, and I think that just goes to show his character and how great of a dad and husband he is for his family as well. Yeah. I agree. And I've abused Uncle Greg millions of times, <laughs> move it, having him move me around all of the Midwest uh, area. And so Uncle Greg, when you listen to this, thank you for always being available to pick up a box and to uh, drive a truck. <laughs> <laughs> you aren't driving your own moving trucks? Uh, sometimes, no. I mean, I think most of the time, because he always brought his, actually, I think most of the time he, I remember, well, Nick will have like flashbacks to this, but when I was moving from Ohio back to Indianapolis, that was just an overall just terrible day Um, because I had accidentally uh, left my purse uh, in the U-Haul truck and oh, shoot. and then we packed boxes into the U-Haul truck mm -hmm. and did not move my purse and so when we were trying to leave couldn't find my keys so we had to unpack half of the U-Haul <laughs> truck <laughs> yeah, to find my purse and my oh, keys God. and then we had to repack it um it was just bad Nick was like, I will never move you again. So that, uh, <laughs> which he ended up moving me again, but. Um, he was yeah. just upset and wanted you to know that he was upset. He was very upset. And then he was, they were so scarred by that, uh, that experience that when I moved from Indianapolis to Fishers, they told me to get a moving company. Like they weren't, they weren't willing to help me. Again. Mm -hmm. well at that point you're grown enough to get a moving company I feel like ever since what my second year in college I've had to get moving companies but that's circumstantial being that I don't hang out with too many men well now I do but like I think uh I didn't 
I wasn't willing to ask most people to help me move. Personally. It's, that, it's, it's there. It's that one. Cause I mean, I, I mean, I, the men that have helped me move poor Papa was helping me move to <laughs> <laughs> 60 years old, picking up a box, but um, I don't know. It's always been friends and family. And honestly, even when we moved into this house, we, we did not, well, did we move use a moving company? Well, y'all didn't really have too many big items, really. I, I mean, mean, you had the couch. That's true. So I don't recall even using a moving company. I think Keith Jr. came over and helped us move. Uh, because when we moved from Chicago to Indianapolis, we had to literally give up anything that couldn't fit in the U-Haul truck. We had to donate. So mm-hmm. we literally didn't have anything when we moved here. I was like, what? I can't even remember four or five months pregnant. Um, half of what we were living in, <laughs> we were living in Chicago and Indianapolis for three months because we moved into our apartment in October. We didn't finally move out of to uh, out of our apartment in Chicago until January. So we were living in two places for three months, and all of our furniture was in Indianapolis uh most of it it was like our bed and we were sleeping on the couch and the floor in Chicago it was so trifling we were roughing it out poor I'm so (laughs) glad Junior wasn't wasn't born by then because that just would have been terrible you were pregnant sleeping on the floor in the couch I was sleeping on the couch Mm. Nick was sleeping on the floor but yeah pregnant it was I mean a lot of people don't know that like rough that rough story but yeah we lived in was that October, November, December, January, four months. We were living in two states for four months. And poor, I feel bad. I'm, I mean, Nick and I are grown and I was so tired of being pregnant that like, it just, it was exhausting going back and forth to Indianapolis and Chicago. But I felt, I felt bad for Vita that's like a culture shock going back and yeah. forth between two car, two different states. Like she didn't do well. So anyway. That's when she turned temperamental too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm sick of this shit. <laughs> She's like, y'all don't care. I'm tired. I'm tired. She's but been so, tired ever since. <laughs> but it's so it's so crazy because when we were in Chicago, there's always noise all the time. It's never yeah. super quiet. And so when we got to Fishers, it was like, you could hear the bugs outside. That's how quiet it was. It actually was making me scared and nervous. I'm like, oh my God, someone's going to kill me out here. It's so quiet. Like, and now I liked where you were. uh, I love near Hamilton proper. What was that one called? It's called the Hamilton. The Hamilton. But we're going to have to cut that part out because I don't need anybody to be knowing where I lived. Where you lived? okay fine that's fair (laughs) no but yeah hearing the bugs in indiana is really nice um the Mm. lightning bugs seeing the lightning bugs behind your old apartment was cool i think but i think with vita she was so like frazzled she was just like so confused when she was over at my apartment when i kept her a few weeks when i kept her one time because after that i was like never again (laughs) (laughs) she did not do well with all the noises uh at all anymore she did not do well with noises i couldn't sleep she didn't sleep We (laughs) we were both just yelling at each other 
Um, well, I will say this: when we lived in Chicago, outside uh, outside of the outside noise, um, especially when Fourth of July, when the fireworks, she was like, I mean, but all dogs are scared of fireworks, yeah, so that's yeah. irrelevant. But um, our door was not fully sealed, so sometimes when someone would walk past our hallway door, like it would be like like the wind would kind of like make it um, sound like it's closing or opening mm-hmm. a little bit, mm-hmm. even though we knew it was locked. But then mm-hmm. also when people would walk down the hallway, you could hear them like yeah. very well. And yeah. so she would like be losing her mind. She'd be like, uh, <laughs> and see, I lived on the first floor next to the elevator. And so yeah. there's lots of foot traffic, lots of foot traffic yeah. <laughs> on my at my old apartment. So yeah. it was, yeah. Yeah, it, it's we did something else, but Uncle Greg, yeah. I think after that they he was <laughs> I love bring it back <laughs> yeah if you help me move my stuff into the u-haul truck to go to chicago from my fisher's apartment but he did not um he did not help me drive it or even help me unload it and i didn't want him to because by that time like he's That's helped me lot. out so much you know mm-hmm. and by the time they got to chicago because they had to come up to Chicago anyways for a volleyball game uh, um, at McCormick Place that uh, we were pretty much done. But I swapped them out. Walter. Walter moved my stuff in. Uh, <laughs> Nicholas. I can't remember who else. It was Nick's frat brothers and friends. Were, You're like uh, a moving coordinator at that point. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I can't remember. I don't think Tony listens to our podcast, but Tony and... um what's his name god it's gonna bother me ryan sorry ryan if you ever listen to this ryan and tony held move us and i felt bad for tony because tony caught us nick and i in a like a heated discussion about whatever like (laughs) you'll know like if we're talking to each other while we're moving stuff even if we're like getting smart with each other as long as we're talking we're fine but as soon as we stop talking, you should know like something, something's going on, like it's bad. And so I felt bad for all of those frat brothers and friends that have helped us move around the country too. We moving it. is stressful. Moving, <laughs> I remember the mm. last time I moved my stuff out of this apartment into where my stuff is now. They were just like, "Yeah, I can't envy you. I think moving is the worst thing that exists." <laughs> He's like, I'm having a much better day, day than you. And I, like, I feel bad for those moving companies because I'm sure they probably either get like praises, like, oh, you, you have taken so much stress off of me or they get cussed out because everybody's like pissed off, or, like stuff is not where it's supposed to be or like, God forbid, you scrape up a wall or you scrape up, you know, a bed stand or you break something like mm-hmm. I'm sure it's probably even though you have like insurance and stuff or most moving companies have insurance it's still like people are at like full-blown attitude sometimes They're on edge already and yeah. the, the smallest thing can push them over agreed so but yes I'm glad we hope that you guys enjoyed our conversation with Uncle Greg and our experiences moving around this uh this country we really should just like have a moving episode at this point we both have moved a lot (laughs) 
yeah. I think that would be actually really cool. So maybe future content alert. Yeah. I don't know how cool it will be with a, a child, a toddler now that will just, ugh, I can't I'm talking about a cool about like just sharing our stories, not moving again. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I don't think moving is cool um, necessarily. <laughs> I, I think going to a new place and living in a That's new true. place is cool. But moving, it makes me want to throw out my stuff every time. Yep, that I mean that's what happened when we moved back here. We had nothing. <laughs> and when we moved into our house, we really looked like we were poor. Like, because we we literally had the the bare essentials, like bed, a couch, like, and dishes. We didn't have no dining room table. We didn't have we had stools. Sure. But we had the bare, the we a desk, that was it. But you know what? It it felt so liberating to not have to move a whole bunch of crap in and then like be able to have space for new things and not have to deplete, you know, yeah. so and different things. So now you have a, a full house. Mm, almost. We have one bedroom next office that really needs to be a, a hopefully a baby's room one day. And then we still have pieces in our um, room, like our master bedroom. We have well, a yeah. area that's not furnished, but that's overall, fair. I agree. We're about we're about ninety percent there. Yeah, ninety percent. So, anyways, Taylor, what is the self care tip of the week? Yes. So, self care tip of the week. I think that one thing in my life that I want to improve in is organization. Okay. So I know we're like halfway through the year, but the good news is um, most of the time, like if you're on a um, academic calendar or even a fiscal calendar, you still are in the uh, a good position to like implement new things like as in by the end of the year start a new kind of sort of so like for me when I start in the fall in August I'll be starting a new journey and a new trip around um, my evolution of a year if you will right because like it's going to kind of change my perspective of time which could be a whole uh, self-care tip about perspectives of time and stuff like that. But um, <laughs> uh, perspectives of time of, of how you are measuring progress, right? Okay. In the sense of, because uh, I kind of saw your face, so I just want to address it in, in oh. the sense <laughs> of just like how time can be like, Yes, it can be physical in a way where we we know the days are passing, but also there's certain things like progressions in a in a adventure or like in your endeavors that you go through. Um, and I think that's when time becomes really relative and not necessarily a physical thing. Um, nope, so um, organization. So with organization, um, sometimes we can think that, you know, as long as I know how things go, like 
it's fine. But I think one thing about organization is that it allows you to open up in a different way to transfer your time. Um, So time management, it also helps to open up your thought. So, um, and, and it seems counterintuitive that by having structure, it allows you to be more creative. And so um, concrete, um, things that I think are really good for organization purposes are developing a routine. Um, when I come into work, I have my glass of coffee while I read my emails, and then I'm ready to interact with anything else for the day. I know I make my list of what emails I need to respond to, um, know what I need to get done in the lab, know what conversations need to be have to do things better for like operations as a whole and then summarize the day before you leave and then you leave and then you're gone right so then you're able to have more of your time back and so that's just like a overall organization of like not only thinking how things are going to do, but time blocking in a way that allows you to um, really accomplish what it is that you have to do. So knowing how long it takes you to do things, that is my biggest downfall is like, I think things will take me 10 minutes and then 30 minutes, then 45 minutes later, I'm done. And it's like, I thought this was only going to take me 10 minutes. So uh, (laughs) realistically, um, setting time blocks of like, if you don't get this done here, like um, this is lab time. So lab time, it kind of sucks because you can't, you can't move it. If you don't get it done, you have to stay for it. So if there's other things that you can move around, like using your downtime efficiently, and I don't know if other professions really have that same um, luxury kind of of being able to kind of multitask while one thing's going and you're it's not hands-on time you can put the other thing um, on so being able to multitask during those time block um, as well can help so um I guess my my concise self-care tip of the week mm-hmm. is get organized um, find a time blocking system that works for you. Um, and let me know how it goes. I guess okay. that's the, the biggest thing. Cause everyone's day is going to look really different. So for me, like time blocking for me can look really different because I can multitask. I can have one task being completed while I complete another. So, okay. Yeah. I don't think like you don't have that in accounting, right? Like you can't be like, okay, this is going. So I'm just going to go do this while this is going. Um, It just depends. So like right now in the role that I'm in, um, well, most roles that I've been in, we have these things called period closes, month end closes, quarter end, year end close, all that other stuff. And so mm-hmm. usually um, there are deadlines on when data is available. So for an example, you can kind of always, you know, if day, if a certain day, you know, the, this data is going to be available for you to be able to complete your task. There's mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, while that data is running or while you're waiting for it to be a good point where it's decent data to use, mm-hmm. you can be like prepping your files or you can be like, 
you know, just looking at, you know, just different things. And so there is a little bit of multitasking. Um, depending on the company that you're in, sometimes you have to multitask. And I know for the company that I work for, it's ran similar to like a startup. So mm-hmm. when you come in, there's always like stuff breaking, always things on fire, like always problems and issues. Not saying like, you know, where it's dysfunctional, but it's always like we're always in a learning, consistent, continuous learning environment. So you mm-hmm. have to uh, be able to um, parse out your brain to be able to focus on more than one project or task. Um, and you have to be able to understand the technical accounting behind it and be yeah. able to advise and direct someone to make a decision that you either need them to make or if they're struggling to figure out how to handle a certain situation, you have to make sure that you're um, uh, maybe not an expert, but at least competent or um, capable to at least like help or assist. Or if you absolutely don't know that the answer, you can always point a person to the right, the, you know, point them to the right person. Um, At least with the team that I work on, all of us are experts in our particular areas. And so we don't, most of the time, I mean, we've been cross-trained on some things, but we stay um, on the most part in our, in our bubble so that we're not overstepping or causing confusion for our team members. Um, But we need to be somewhat acknowledged, somewhat knowledgeable about what other people are working on because it all comes together in one financial statement. So if someone makes a decision for the greater group, they need to make sure that they, that it's not impacting the team. So yeah. I personally like that environment where it's chaos or, uh, or learning, I should say is a better word. Um, when I'm in more stable, mature environments, I tend to get very bored. Um, and it, it, it's not like challenging to me. And I've had a few roles in my career that I'm just like, this is not where I want to be. And this is not, you know, um, the type of work that I want to do. And most yeah. of the time, those have been the the ones that I can't multitask or time block or, yeah. you know, different things. So, but every yeah. person is different. Some people have high anxiety and they don't want to be in that type of environment. So. Yeah. I think that uh, just knowing for your day-to-day operations, what you are responsible for allows you to uh, be a little bit more autonomous with your time. So, yeah you have to always meet deadlines. So figure out what are A, B's and C's Mm -hmm. and focus on the A's, you know, maybe delegate or partial work on the B's and table the C's as I'll get there when I get there. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Well, what is our tip for the week? So uh, I'll keep this very short because I know we're a little long uh, this episode. Um, so today we had our, um, like a, a, a large team meeting for the company. And one of the things that one of our leaders said was, um, he was given an analogy about like how we should view where we are right now. And so, um, as far as the company and as far as our teams and, and engagement and stuff like that. And one of the things that he posed a question for us was, what have you learned over the period of COVID? And so, mm-hmm. um, and obviously there's a little bit more background to that, but uh, I won't, I won't uh, disclose the conversation because it's not appropriate, but 
Um, it had me thinking about like, what are some things that have happened in the last two years that, uh, that I've learned. And I think at first, you know, at the beginning of COVID, I was just like, everything is uncertain. So you have to just kind of like hold on to your bridges and, you know, like roll, you know, like roll with the flow. Um, and that you're not in control is kind of the first thing that I've learned. And I think that has probably been consistent during this entire time. Um, also another element or another point was uh, time is very precious. And so just be very mindful of what you're spending your time on, whether it's at work or with the people you love. And so I think that really kind of hit home earlier this year when we lost our grandfather within three, two to three weeks, like out of nowhere, um, just suddenly, and it was just traumatizing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, that's been very, uh, mind, very eye opening and has really started getting me into planning for my, my child, the one child that I have so far. Um, hopefully God has, will allow me to have more in the future, but, um, just being mindful of, you know, you can't control things, but then also like um, spending time with your family while they're, or friends while they're still here or while you're still here, you know, yeah. so let's not take us out of the equation, but also being mindful of what type of legacy um, or preparations are you leaving for um, the next set of uh, people in your, that you are responsible for. So like, there's a next generation after junior uh, or junior is the next generation, I should say. And so Mm -hmm. uh, last point that I would say on, and that um, topic is we started doing estate planning. And so um, I think a lot of 31 year, you know, 31, 32 year olds are not necessarily thinking about that unless they have, you know, um, lots to lose or they have someone depending on them. But I think, you know, no matter if you only have a car and a dog or you only have the clothes on your back, uh, you know, someone um, it's it's very important for you for people to be mindful of their future um, Mm -hmm. and the people that depend on them and the people that, you know, will potentially maybe even be responsible for you or your stuff when you're no longer here. And so. Those are the three things that I thought about, you know, what have I learned for COVID, which is you can't control anything in life, um, mm-hmm. spend time with your friends and family, and then get, pre- get prepared for your legacy. Um, and so I just want you guys to mindfully think of, of that, because I think we think COVID is over and people still catching this boy out here. They still catching them. They still, they're not dying, but they're still catching uh, still catching COVID out here. Um, but then also to, uh, I think, you know, things have dramatically changed in two years because, you know, the whole world was going through this. So I think sometimes looking back and being grateful for where you started and where you came from, whether that's extra sleep, whether that's more time with your family, you know, whatever, uh, more focus on your mental health, better job, more money, you know, or more focus on yourself. Like it's just a lot of different things to be grateful for. Or maybe you just detoxed. 
Um, or maybe COVID has been terrible and that's okay too. You know, um, it was traumatizing, but what did you learn? You know, yeah. so that's why I will leave to you guys. So Taylor, where can you find us? You can find us on Instagram at the inner circle podgals you can also send us an email to the inner at gmail.com perfect and also don't forget to rate subscribe follow and share our podcast on all platforms and like taylor mentioned our so your social media tag us dm us send us an email like she mentioned we would love to continue to expand our listenership and um you know continue to get your guys's feedback on what you have enjoyed this season we have um you know a couple more episodes and we're done we're wrapping it up with our family is dope and uh we'll be moving on to season six which is crazy to say because we started this in september of 2020 and now it is may of 2022 insane um so yep that's all we got for you guys so you guys have a good night good morning good afternoon a good day you know whatever We'll see you guys next time. All right.